Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful Adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill their promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had men and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth.
Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Welcome to the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you for joining us this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever and wherever you are listening around the world. If you're listening in the Secret Teachings archive on the many radio and podcast players or the free archive on our website, welcome to the broadcast. I'd like to welcome you, a special welcome and a special thank you if you're listening in the subscription archive on our website where you get the ad-free version of all of our shows plus montages my digital books and more you can download the shows stream them etc directly on the website or through the private rss feed it's because of your support that keeps this show on air monday through friday if you'd like to contact us email the show at rdgable at yahoo.com find us on gab and gitter and facebook Dot com Ryan Gable or The Secret Teachings there. Also on Patreon for behind-the-scenes content and our affiliate sponsor. Check them out, Pro One Water Filters. A link to their website is on our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. Tonight, a special Friday night broadcast, March 18th into March 19th, 2022. And we have some friends with us on the program tonight, Don Lester and David Parker, authors of one of my favorite books, What Really Makes You Ill, although we might not be talking so much about what really makes us ill, we might be talking a little bit more about how we perceive reality and the nature of consciousness. These are things we've been discussing recently on the show. I did a show a couple of weeks ago. We talked about the anomalies of the moon. We talked about the work of people like Alan Butler and George Leonard looking at the moon itself kind of like a macrocosmic signature of conscious creative design. And the microcosmic version of that we talked about on another show a few weeks ago where we discussed DNA and how Francis Crick, who discovered, quote unquote, the double helix of DNA, was on LSD when he made the discovery. And whether you're looking at LSD or you're looking at ayahuasca or you're looking at DMT, you're going to find that people are going to see, and I've never done these things, but I've read a lot of reports and things of people that have done them or talked to people who have done them, and they see this same kind of geometry. And they see things that are a lot more sometimes complex than geometry, theory, anthropic beings, half human, half animal. There's a parallel between shamanistic culture UFO abductions, fairy abductions all throughout history, going back tens of thousands of years to the modern day. And in that DNA, the point is you have this microcosmic signature of conscious creative design. And I think not from a religious point of view, and certainly not from an atheistic point of view, I think that when we look at the world, look at the moon, look at the sun, 
Think about your DNA. You can't see it, but think about your DNA. Think about the raw material that is your body. The mineral, the, the atom, the cell, everything. Something animates your body. Something makes you move. There is an unseen force. Call it spirit. Call it soul. This is consciousness. This is perhaps the mind of God. And it's through our raw material body that we perceive reality. And it's through the various levels of consciousness, subconsciousness, and unconsciousness that our reality can be crafted so that we perceive things in a different way. Behavioral psychology, behavioral nudging, propaganda, regurgitated, repeated rhetoric, and various forms of psychological manipulation, subliminal messaging, etc. can alter the way we perceive reality, but so can simply reading a physical paper book that can change our perception of reality, not because of the new worlds we explore and the new things we learn, but simply reading something on a piece of paper can drastically change the way we look at the world as opposed to reading something on a computer screen. And I learned that in a, a handful of studies I read when I was putting together my technology book, that reading a piece of paper, a physical piece of paper, can literally change your perception of the world in a different way than reading something on a computer screen. So our perception of reality is like a tool that consciousness uses through the physical body to observe the world. And we need to understand how that process works so that we don't allow other people to hijack it. I think that's a really important key factor in tonight's broadcast. Don Lester and David Park are good friends of ours all the way from the UK across the pond. What really makes you ill is their big, big, big book. Honestly, sincerely, one of my favorite books. You can find it pretty much online, Amazon, other places, their website, What Really Makes You Ill. We also have links on our social media pages. Don Lester, David Parker, consciousness and our perception of reality. How are you two doing tonight? Well, we're doing very well. Thank you, Ryan. And uh, thank you for inviting us back onto your show. It's always always a pleasure to, to speak with you. As always, David, I love having you guys here. Don, how are you? Yes, I'm fine, thank you. And, and thank you for your kind words about our book. Yes, it's uh, It really is. It really is one of my thank favorite you. books. Okay. Thank you. It's much appreciated. But as as you say, we're uh, we're sort of going to move off that uh, for our chat today. Um, it is another one of our books that we wrote. In fact, the very first book that we wrote uh, many many years ago, a little book called The Nature of Reality, um, and we wrote under our pen name then, which is N O R Nature of Reality, because uh, for various reasons we didn't write under our actual names but it's we thought we'd uh, talk about that today um for two reasons one is it's a particular of particular interest to us and i think it's probably in one way or another of particular interest to everyone but also i think we can sort of knit together how the importance of understanding a little more about how this reality works and how it works with us um ties in with the sort of world situation at the moment with why we wrote the book, uh, What Really Makes You Ill. Uh, because um, many people ask us when we talk to them about that book, What Really Makes You Ill, is, and they look at the dire situation that the world has been put into because of, uh, well, because of the lies, let's, let's be honest about it, because of the lies that the uh, people in power 
have uh, put out and imposed upon the world through their various organizations. We won't go too much into that at the moment. But people ask us, well, how are we going to get out of this? How are we going to change it? You know, they, they have all this power, all this money, all the guns and weaponry, if you like. Um, how are we, the people, going to change that? And I think this is where it ties in very nicely to understand about the nature of reality is what exactly is it? How is it created? Because as we say, it's far stranger than most people imagine. Uh, and so it's that that we want to delve into um, in this chat and see if we can unpick it a little bit so that people can understand just how much power they actually have through conscious creation. You mentioned consciousness. Um, so that's, that's really what we hope to do. So I thought we would start with we start with sort of basic things because it, it's, it, it can get a bit mind-boggling. So we hope that uh, if we take it in steady steps, maybe we can uh, understand it a little bit more. So I wanted to start with just asking the simple question of how do we perceive reality? And uh, if we think about it, um, our day-to-day -day reality, we... We really only have the five senses, don't we? Sight, touch, taste, smell, hearing. That's how we perceive our day-to-day -day reality. So it's fairly limited, really. And if we think about those senses, um, if we think about, say, just the, the, the sense of sight, we know that uh, we know that there's such a thing, if we remember our days back in school and our physics and uh, lessons, our science lessons, uh, we were taught about the electromagnetic spectrum. Right. And we were, ta we were ta taught about the visible light part of it, which is um, like the colors of the rainbow. So the visible light, which is all our eyes detect, is a very small part of that electromagnetic spectrum. Uh, and, you know, there's infrared stretching out one way and ultraviolet stretching out the other way and gamma rays and x-rays and all of these other vibrations in the electromagnetic spectrum but our eyes don't tell us anything about them so to all intent and purposes from our vision none of those other frequencies exist so that's one thing to think about and it's the same with our sense of hearing you know we have a a fairly limited range of frequencies again that we can detect with our ears and yet we know that there are lots of other frequencies uh, many of which can be uh, perceived by animals you know dogs like, and like a and like a people. dog whistle yeah mm. yeah and insects yeah uh, you know they they perceive different things and insects can perceive perceive uh, different parts of the magnetic spectrum as well so it's they will they will perceive animals and insects can perceive a different reality to what we can just with those two senses so it's without laboring it too much uh, for people to think about really to think about their five senses as filters that they are actually limiting their perception of reality whatever that may be they're limiting their perception rather than giving them a full uh a full taste of it, as it were. And I mean, if, even if we look at uh, touch, let's let's look at that. I mean, we're all uh, probably sat on a chair listening to this uh, and it all feels pretty solid. We stand on a floor, which all feels pretty solid. And yet, if we 
to take on board what uh, quantum physics teaches us, for instance, and they teach us about atomic structure, um, then they'll tell us that everything is made of electrons in its basic form, uh, and uh, sorry, not electrons, atoms. atoms, with orbiting electrons, and that these atoms, uh, there are spaces between them uh, in a structure, in the say the chair we sat on, and that the orbiting electrons are whizzing around the central core of the atom at great speed. But our sense of touch doesn't tell us anything about that. None of our senses tell us anything about that at all. Um, so again, a limitation. Now, it's quite interesting. I'm going to sort of have to jump a bit with some of the things. Otherwise, we, we'd be here for a, a week. So we can, <laughs> we've not got that long. Um, so when we, Dawn and I, were sort of looking at uh, quantum physics, when we were trying to find what the cutting edge of science, if you will, could say about reality and quantum physics, physics in general and quantum physics in particular, have tried and are always trying to explain what the natural world is to try and find out. Uh, well, they, they, are, they always seem to be on the search for the smallest piece of matter. Uh, that they think there is some small piece of matter. I mean, and they spent huge amounts of money, haven't they, on the Hadron Collider um, at, in CERN to try and find out what some people call the God particle, <laughs> term which I dislike immensely. But um, uh, and of course they've never found it, you know, and they never will find it for the simple reason uh, that some quantum physics, quantum physicists who are somewhat more enlightened, will have stated uh, quite openly that physicists or anyone for that matter will never understand what reality is until they realize that matter, energy and consciousness are actually the same thing, uh, which is quite an amazing thing to come from quantum physics, uh, physicists, isn't it? Matter, energy and consciousness are the same thing. But David, how do, you, a, how do you guys feel about, I think it was mid-July or early July 2012, scientists from CERN said they, they thought they discovered the Higgs boson. They were like 99% certain. But does that, does that tell us anything? Does 99% certainty tell us that they've actually found the God particle? Does that mean anything? No. No, because I, I think it was something that they saw on some computer screen anyway, um, rather than actually sort of seeing it. So, again, it's, it's how they interpret the, uh, what's actually going on, what they think they're doing. Um, well, I, I, may not I, I'm sorry to cut you off. I don't want to derail yeah. you, David. I don't want to derail you, Don, but that's that's an interesting thing, computer models. And I want to ask you guys this yep. question before we um, go to the break in the next couple of minutes. When you think about a computer model, uh, model from a climate change model to a COVID-19 death model, everything in between, everything on the outside is just that, a model. It's a click, click, yes. enter, adding information, and getting a projection based on the information that you're entering, which is usually a guess, educated or not. It doesn't provide yes. us with accurate information. It provides us with a computer model. Can you speak to that? Because that drastically changes our perception of reality. Exactly. Yes, and exactly. again, it depends on um, the uh, theories and assumptions that are the basis of the information that goes into the computer model. And I think a lot of, you know, 
people who've worked on computers have heard the, uh, you know, garbage in, garbage out, you know. So the output that you get is totally dependent on the input. And if that's based on false assumptions, which it certainly is in the case of uh, the, the whole COVID modelling, um, then you're not going to get anything out that is that has any real meaning and uh, has any relevance to the real world, to um, to our reality, to us, to our bodies, how they really work. And and as as you said, Ryan, even if they even if we were to accept that they thought they were sort of 99% certain they'd found it. That's that's not 100%, is it? Which means they haven't found it. And and they never will, unless they understand that uh, what I've just said, matter, energy, and consciousness are the same thing. So there is not some in, infinitely small particle that they can eventually get to and say, oh, this is it. This is the smallest particle of matter, whatever that is. Um, because whenever they look at so-called matter, as we say, if we work our way down through uh, the chair we're sitting on and look at the atomic structure of it and look at the structure of a single atom and we get to the nucleus of the atom, you know, where there's neutrons and protons and then they try to find out what they're made of, which is the thing they've been doing. Eventually, it, it just it's like sand going through their fingers it just disappears and they just end up with what they can only call energy and of course no one can really define what energy is hence the statement matter energy and consciousness are the same thing and it was interesting as well to see uh, another physicist uh, Harold Putoff uh, who I don't know what I think he may still work for the standard uh, uh, Stanford Institute um, but one thing that he said, which I thought was very interesting, he took Einstein's formula, which most people are familiar with, E equals mc squared, which is energy equaling uh, matter times the speed of light squared. Mass. Mass, sorry, times the speed of light squared. So everyone sort of heard of that formula, but he interpreted it, which I thought was very interesting. He said that that formula really amounts to the amount of energy that's required to give the appearance of matter. And I think that's quite a profound statement if his interpretation is correct and starts to give us a bit more of an insight into what we're perceiving as what appears to be um, a solid world. And yet another quantum physicist, uh, because of what I've just been saying, has come to the conclusion that you know, as the, although it seems like there is a solid and separate world out there, separate from us, that from a quantum physics point of view, they can't actually prove that. All of their calculations and experiments cannot determine that there is, as they said, an out there, out there, <laughs> which is a very odd thing for physicists at the cutting edge of quantum physics to say and the only way that I can sort of put a, a construct together for people to try and grasp that because it is quite mind-boggling is to try and think of uh, what happens in a dream when we construct a dream when we're asleep and we are the dreamer and we're fully absorbed in the dream which we're not aware that we're dreaming at the time, we then 
construct a reality, don't we? We construct uh, a reality which seems solid and separate to us, and we interact with it as if it is solid and separate to us. We can see fields and cars and people and houses. We can experience emotions, fear, joy, love, all of these things. And it's only when we wake up that we just call it a dream and uh, and really don't sort of put any more importance to it. But there is a great insight to be held from that, a great insight into consciousness and conscious constructions and constructing a world from consciousness that appears to be solid and separate to us. And uh, there are great clues in that. And uh, I know people may find that difficult to get their heads around, and and it is. The whole thing is quite mind-boggling. But it starts to, I think, when people contemplate that, uh, starts to give them a bit of an idea how they could then start to understand the reality that we think of as our everyday reality as just a, another state of consciousness, because other things that uh, other things that uh, quantum physicists are saying, and one of the one of them, one of our favourites, uh, was uh, Professor Amit Goswami, and he's he explains that everything arises out of consciousness and all consciousness is connected. So uh, I I think that's something that we can explore and understand a little bit more. Now, I'm not sure whether we're coming up to the first break. So we've got got about a minute and a half here. If you're just joining us, Don Lester, David Parker, authors of nature of reality and what really makes you ill couple of things that I want to touch on before we go to break here is that the idea of physics and what modern physics, as you were saying, David, is telling us, it's almost like paranormal. It's almost like something that is beyond science fiction. It's almost like something that would otherwise be classified as having faith in a creator because we don't understand. We can't really get to the actual core of it. So we have to believe these things on faith that they're, that they're accurate, that they're true. And I, I don't know how much you guys know or talk about, I'm sure listeners want to know about the quote-unquote holographic universe based on what you're saying about atoms and electrons and how they orbit. Maybe that's something else we can get into in the next segment as well. Don Lester, David Parker, I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings, airing Monday through Friday on The Fringe FM. And like I was saying earlier about Francis Crick, Francis Crick, the discoverer of the double helix structure of DNA, the co-discoverer in 1953, He was on LSD when he discovered it. A lot of famous scientists and engineers and people that did this kind of work used hallucinogenics or various forms of drugs to access these other worlds. These discoveries, these developments, even the TV, for example, were not conducted by strict materialists. They were conducted and invented by people that tapped into other spiritual realms. And I think restricting access to that, even in thought, is part of maybe a larger control mechanism. We'll talk about that when we come back from break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teaching. Stay with us. More after this. It's The Secret Teachings Radio, one of the homes of the original Super Bowl analysis, exclusively airing on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. The Secret Teachings is finally available on nearly every podcast platform, from Apple to Spotify and Podcast Addict. Also available is The Secret Teachings Weekends, our one-hour Saturday morning show. Search the name and start listening today for free. 
But if you want to avoid those annoying ads, head on over to thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to the ad-free archive. It's got old shows, new shows, and you can also download Ryan's digital books. Subscribe today. What are you waiting for? The end of the world? If you enjoyed The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of my research in your hands, visit our website and grab physical and digital copies of my books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, theology, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. And food philosophy might just change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. Remember, shipping is always included with the books. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and get your copy today. The Secret Teachings is now on Gab and Getter. Search Ryan Gable on both to find the show or stick with The Secret Teachings in the Metaverse. This is Michael Strange from Troubled Minds. Did you hear that scientists recently discovered radio waves coming from Proxima Centauri? Well, I cannot confirm nor deny we are broadcasting from that neck of the woods. You are listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. Do you have everything you need to explore The Secret Teachings? I've got my secret socks on and my secret TV and my secret TV channel. Looks like SpongeBob's ready. Are you? Hey, this is Charlie Robinson, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. What is the nature of reality? That is the name of a book written by our guests this evening, Don Lester, David Parker, also authors of What Really Makes You Ill? Question mark. The nature of reality. David and Don were breaking this down in the last segment, and I was thinking, because I have a section on this subject in my book, Occult Arcana, just a big compilation of esoteric occultism, mythology, etc., People like Robert Boyle, who gave us the law of thermodynamics. Robert Boyle was a practicing alchemist. People like Robert Hooke, inventor of the microscope, practicing alchemist. William Harvey, discovered circulation of the blood, practicing alchemist. Francis Crick, co-discoverer of the double helix of DNA, was on LSD when he made this quote-unquote discovery. Sir Robert Moray was a Rosicrucian philosopher. He also published the first scientific journal, Philosophical Transactions. Also, the television, and some even say the radio, were both invented as a result of attempts to make contact with the spirit worlds and capture psychic influences. Even people like Charles Darwin would attend seances, reportedly. 
And a close friend of his who he did a lot of work with, Max Mueller, translated these ancient Sanskrit texts. And a lot of these ideas for evolution aren't new in the scientific realm. They actually come from, in part, uh, theosophical societies and Rosicrucian societies that believe in a, a certain esoteric evolution of fish and land animals and humans, etc., etc., etc. Something that's actually summed up in the theosophical work of Frank Baum, who wrote The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, where you have the lion, the tin man, and the scarecrow, or the animal body, and the lion, the mineral, and the tin man, and the vegetable body, and the scarecrow. You know, and these are also part of the archetypes that Carl Jung talks about and people like Joseph Campbell. I guess my point is, Don and David, when we look at technological developments, let's say like the TV or the so-called discovery of the double helix of DNA, throughout history, a lot of scientists have actually been more like magicians or more like people that are, you know, we would consider today paranormal investigators. I understand in the past people had a, a wide ability, a wide interest in examining many fields. But today we're, we're told that spirit worlds and having faith in things that we can't see, that this is nonsense, yet so many technological developments and, and so much knowledge today is a result of peering into those worlds. And when we do peer into those worlds, even when we peer into the world of mainstream physics, it tells us that our world isn't so solid and our world isn't so, so much something we can, we can physically confirm. I don't know if you could speak to yeah. that, but I'd like to get your take on that. Yeah, uh, yeah I, was, I was going to do, um, add to that that uh, a number of quantum physicists, um, you know, as a result of their work, ended up moving towards the, uh, you know, studying mysticism and those kinds of things. So it's, um, yes, it is going back to the older types of um, scientists where science was not just something that happens in a lab. It's something, it, it's, a, it's an inquiry into life, into nature, into how the world works. So they were certainly wider and they were looking at, um, it was more, uh, if you like, sort of natural science. You know, they were looking at many different aspects rather than just one very, very specific one. But again, you know, there's, um, like with uh, Amit Goswami, who we mentioned, I mean, he's with his Indian background. Um, but as a quantum physicist, he he did kind of look at uh, look at um, what he was studying from that aspect as well. So he could see it from, from both angles. But, you know, a lot of them... Uh, the physicists did actually end up looking into the sort of mysticism type, you know, those sort of other areas. Because they, they realised that um, this, um, as the sort of ancient philosophies mm. have always known and always spoke spoken about, they often refer to this world as an illusion, don't they, or maya, um, because they they know that it's, uh, it's, a, it's just an appearance and it's not actually how it is. And they they sort of came at, at it from one end of the spectrum, if you like, of uh, from consciousness. And quantum physicists, starting out as materialists, if you like, uh, had come from the other end. But they they end up meeting in the middle. And uh, as Dawn has said, they caught many of the quantum physicists, the more enlightened ones, uh, started to move more towards um, mysticism, if you like. <clears throat> and realizing that consciousness was the ground of all being and that there is not what we would think of or what they were looking for with the Hadron Collider, you know, uh, a, a small particle of matter that, that exists, that everything is then built on. This this is an illusion. So what we're, 
I'd like to do is just explore, if people will bear with it, explore this uh, idea of consciousness being the ground of all being. Yeah, yeah I, and that, I, I, want you to, I want you to get into that. I want to ask you one other question before we go into that, though, and that is, I, I want to confirm what you're saying, because this is what I think as well. When you have people that investigate, let's say, the paranormal, or they're interested in spiritual realms, let's call them, or other dimensions, etc., when you start there, I think you can work your way into the understandings of the physical mechanisms of how this illusion works. And other people that start with understanding how the physical mechanisms work end up finding that there is an energetic conscious thing that drives all of this. So uh, what you're saying is whether you start at one end of the spectrum or the other, you can kind of cross over and end up on the other side of the spectrum. Does that make sense? Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, That you have to blend both aspects well they they both end up at the same place they start in different places but end up at the same place and uh which is uh this this odd this odd place that uh, is difficult for people to get their heads around when they first start to come to it but it's it is a thing that uh once they've got a few of the basic ideas uh requires some contemplation and because you get to a stage where you can only get so far with intellect, which likes to deal with nuts and bolts and bits and pieces, but you will get to a stage where intuition has to take over that other area of consciousness, which gets to know things without knowing how it gets to know things, if that makes sense. And, uh, And this is why it's very difficult for many people who whether they like to be called it or not, are materialists and think that unless you can sort of get it on a laboratory table and dissect it in some way, then it can't possibly be true or exist. And to explore the true nature of reality, you have to move beyond that. And you you have to, as I say, you have to uh, expand your conscious awareness. You have to use other areas of consciousness and intuition is one of them. We all have that ability, providing we don't shut off from it. Um, and we've all had, I'm sure, um, even the most materialistic of us has had flashes of uh, intuition where they've come to know something but not actually known how they know it. And that, that is intuition at work. Do you two um, think that we are encouraged, intentional or otherwise, to disconnect from those feelings and to disconnect uh, from yeah. uh, the other worlds. Indeed. Yes, de- definitely. Indeed. Because um, that's a way of controlling how much we um, understand about how things work. And it means that we don't get to recognize what we can do because that's where intuition allows us to sort of see that we are more than just these little sort of worker bees that have to just obey rules and, um, you know, we're insignificant and we, we have to listen to these sort of experts and authorities. So um, it, it is a way of keeping us uh, from learning about our true nature, who we really are. And that's, you know, and, and, our, true power, and our true power, which is, which is the important thing, is that when people realize that uh, really this reality is just one state of consciousness, like the dream state is another state of consciousness. Um, imagination is another state of consciousness, and we'll, we'll, we'll use that state of consciousness in a moment or two to try a little experiment. So these are 
everything is consciousness, as the as uh, Professor Amit Goswami has said. All things arise out of consciousness, and consciousness is can be thought of like a potter uses clay to make his pots and utensils. Well, we use consciousness as uh, our clay to construct a reality which is based on our beliefs and fears and hopes uh, and for the most part most people don't realize they're doing it uh, in the same way as when they're in the dream state the dreamer doesn't realize he's creating that dream state but he is and we can all accept that we can all quite happily accept well that of course the dreamer is creating that reality but the dreamer doesn't know it at the time and this is the same. This reality is a state of consciousness, bizarre as that may seem. But it's a state of consciousness in which we are the creators of it. And we use and manipulate consciousness based on, for the most part, and we do it unconsciously because we don't know we're doing it. But And this is where the power comes. And this is what has been kept from us, or try to be kept from us for the most part, by the... We'll call them the dark powers because, you know, they are quite malevolent that the people that are running the world at uh, the moment and the people who have sort of perpetrated this great crime against humanity with this uh, <clears throat> lie of COVID and viruses, uh, you know, trying to kill people. Well, I think they, and, they, they still peer into these other worlds, but try to convince us that there's no reason to do that. It's nonsense. It's, it's something that is, yes. you know, it's been disproven. There's no power yes. there. But they, they're the ones accessing these worlds. That's what allows them to control the physical, perhaps. Yes, they're, they're well aware of it. And they know where, uh, that there is real power there. And that's why they want to keep that knowledge away from the populace, the general populace, because they know that as people uh, become aware of how they can create and change things, then they can change the reality that we're experiencing or many people are experiencing at the moment into something different which will close down if you like the dark manipulators of consciousness and you know so that this can all be done without armed insurrection this can all be done and must be done because the only way to do it is through a change in consciousness we, so we, in the we, same way that Sorry. <laughs> well, I was going to say we we like to think consciousness is is what we should we should always be experiencing. That's kind of maybe a materialistic view, even though it's not really material, if that makes sense. So, like when you're in a dream state, in a, in a sense, you're not consciously aware that you're you're developing these ideas, but it's like the subconscious mind during the day perhaps acquires this information and it comes out in a dream. So, would you say that consciousness? In a, in a physical state is something that we need to reach in balance with a, a form of unconsciousness in the dream state, if that makes, does that make sense? Does that, that, does that, that, does that uh, idea ring, ring true in any way? Like is consciousness the ultimate goal or is unconsciousness well, I, in a spiritual sense? It's, well, I, 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 try, I tend to talk in terms of consciousness because uh, using the term unconscious means, you know, if you're unconscious, then you don't know anything uh, because you're unconscious. Uh, so it's it has to be a conscious construction. In, in the same way, if we just give a, a little analogy, in the same way that some people in the dream state, um, people may have heard of lucid, what's called lucid dreaming. Yes. And this is where they develop the technique of being in the dream state, fully immersed in it, but becoming aware 
then that they are in this altered state of consciousness and they they can then actively manipulate the dream in ways that they want to rather than seemingly being a victim if you like or a passive observer uh, of that dream state of consciousness they become active in it and construct things uh, they can do things uh, you know, they can fly, they can have all sorts of experiences and uh, and manipulate that state of consciousness. Now, uh, if people can sort of take that on board and start to understand the everyday waking state as a state of consciousness and that they can do the same things, I'm not suggesting that they can fly, but they can manipulate, because it works slightly differently, but they can manipulate their experiences they are in control of their experiences uh, and once they take a positive control of that uh, rather than seeing themselves as victims of circumstance which most people see they're victims of circumstance um, if they realize no you do not need to be a victim get rid of this idea of a, a victim and that you are a conscious and positive and powerful creator and to, as you, as people start to wake up to that and realize that they can alter their personal experiences, and I'm using the word personal experiences because we, we will probably um, hopefully have time to talk about uh, world events or what people think they are. But so let's just concentrate on personal experiences. Now, what you experience personally will be based on your, as I said earlier, on your beliefs of what is possible and not possible, what your hopes and fears are. Now, to take control of that in a very positive way and expect the best and without being too prescriptive about what you want, but always expect the best and determine how you want to progress. As someone once said, the, the point of power of creation is the present moment. Um, it's always in the present moment, no matter what you think of as your past or what you fear may be your future. The real power is in the present moment as to where you want to go. So if I just expand on that a little bit um, and we, we all get to use our imagination <laughs> for a moment. Um, if, if we think of um, if we think that we're looking down on uh, like a, a huge uh, chessboard with lots of squares. It doesn't matter about the colors. They can all be one color. Uh, but a huge chessboard with all the squares expanding out infinitely in all directions. OK, now imagine as you're looking down on this that you're in, uh, we'll call it a godlike position because you can see all of the squares. And all of these squares represent past, present and future. And they also represent all possibilities and probabilities. OK, but in your godlike position, you can see them all and you can see them all simultaneously because time and space is a construction of consciousness in the same way as it is in your dream. You constructing time and space. And in this reality, you're doing the same, but without realizing it. So now let's just come back to our analogy where we have this uh, immense 
chessboard, if you like, with a square stretching out in all directions. But instead of being in your godlike position where you can see all of the squares simultaneously, imagine sort of crouching down, uh, moving your head down towards the chessboard so that you can now only focus on one square. You can only see one square. You can't see all the rest. And as you move and imagine that that square is is an event in your life. It may be where you're making a decision. It may be something very mundane where you're making the decision, shall I go out? And so and then you actually go out and that's the next square along. But because you're only seeing one square at a time, as you move from one square to the other, as the event progresses, you've created time by moving from one square to the other because you're down in this what I would call ego consciousness where you're now limited and only see reality through the five senses which we mentioned earlier which are very limiting it's only when you expand your vision expand your state of consciousness and move back to your godlike position for want of a better word that you can then see that actually all the squares all the events all the probabilities exist simultaneously past that there is no past present and future separated by time it's all and in fact quantum physics uh confirm this what they call time's arrow where it's we have the illusion that time started somewhere in the dim and distant past and comes through the present and up into the future and they call it time's arrow but they said that they can't prove that that is so in their words past present and future is that is that the idea that we could actually be moving backwards but we perceive it as forward because that's our perception of reality but maybe in another universe they're moving backwards but they see it as forward or they see it as you know backwards if they're moving i I don't know does that make sense um not exactly to well not to me anyway but they it is all about perception and it is all about um well, it is all about perception. I mean, I mean, I'm using probably fairly crude models, uh, just to no, try I think and the, give. I think I think they're idea. good examples. Are are, the, are these examples? Is this model, for example, of the chessboard? Is that in Nature of Reality, the book you guys wrote? It, it is. Yes, it is in there. When we were trying to, we were trying to find a model, but and using the dream analogy, we were trying to find models that people could sort of relate to. I mean, like all analogies or models they're never perfect but at least they can start people on a way of thinking where they can then use intellect to start with and then switch into intuition as they like right, like right. they do in, in the east they use intuition to uh to contemplate an idea and then enlightenment for want of a better word or insights will come to them and they'll start to feel more comfortable with it and see how it works and then better still start to actually use it because the important thing is to start as you grow in strength and confidence that you are the creator of your own experiences you can then start to try out little things you know and it's like it's like going down to the gym and starting to use your muscles you know to start with you feel a bit feeble and flabby and uh, uh, so you start with small weights and try little things and you gradually build up <clears throat> your muscles and your strength until you can do more. And it's the same with uh, learning uh, about 
conscious creation is to do little things. And as you get success and you see how you can influence things and how you can create things, then you're gaining confidence, you're gaining power and strength from a conscious point of view, and it becomes much easier. The, the, exa- so, the example I gave you, I've just I've heard that from physicists before who have theorized that maybe in another universe, we don't really know what linear time is. We perceive it as moving forward, but we could actually be moving backwards in comparison to another another universe, another dimension. And just the idea that time might not be as linear as we think it is and that everything might run in a loop, almost like a Mobius strip, consciousness, energy, time, etc. It's all part of one experience, all part of the same thing. Well, I, th- I, I sort of go with the idea that it's a created thing. You know, time and space do not exist of themselves. Uh, they, are, they are conscious creations, and they're created... Uh, we, we perceive on, and project them? Perceive and project, we, or...? We, we actually create them. We, in the same way as we do in a dream, everything in the dream state of consciousness, we create. We create space, we create time, as we move through our dream landscape, we've created a three-dimensional space and we move through it in time, which we've constructed. And we do, if that makes sense. Yeah, so we we're, do the same. we're creating we it do, in the physical world like we are in the dream state. Yes. Yes, I mean, they operate slightly differently because, um, you know, there are certain things that you can do within dreams. Um, but at, at the same time, you're sort of jumping into... Quite often people, you know, jump around. It's not just one uh, continual kind of dream that people might have different types of dreams or they might be able to jump from one sort of scenario into another one, uh, which is not how this um, sort of the waking state doesn't work in the same kind of way. So this is what we're saying. These are uh, not exactly comparable, but again, as you learn to... um, understand what the dream state or the dream state of consciousness is that you're creating it you can see how you create in the waking state it's you know it's it's a process of of learning and developing um but but one thing going going back to what you're saying about these different um states of people who take uh you know other substances you know that they have certain experiences in in a in a different state of consciousness you know whether it's you know sort of psychedelics or whatever that it's not that there is one other one other experience one other state because people will always have different um different states of consciousness when they take these other substances you know it's not just when you take that this is where you go it's not a a a specific state you know they're all different states and that's the thing there's you know there are lots of different ways of experiencing um, through consciousness, through states of consciousness. There's, there's no limitations on the creativeness of consciousness. Um, and we, when we hopefully get on to a little later to talk about the, the source of all being or what people might call <clears throat> God consciousness or uh, all that is or um, uh, we, 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 the source, we, we like to call it the self with a big S uh, now, but we'll, we'll get onto that. But this is the source of everything. This is, uh, this, this is, this the is what self. people, this is what people call God perhaps. Yes. Yes. I, yes. I think this is where the God concept comes from and not to be confused with consciousness itself. Um, the source 
uses consciousness uh, for experiencing things, if you like, um, in the same way that we do, but we do it unconsciously. The uh, thing with using the word um, God is people have lots of different perceptions or understandings or oh, certain yes. ideas about it, and it's all, it's often used uh, with a male pronoun, but in uh, you know in the sort of real nature of um, the self that it's not a uh, there is no gender you know it's it's not a male or female so uh, we don't use that literally so you know um, specifically so that we can avoid those those ideas and those connotations yes let me let me give you a few uh, because i've written these down because it it helps to sort of because the okay we got about a minute here okay uh, trying to conceive what the source is. Uh, maybe, maybe I ought to leave it until after that minute because it's it's such a it's such a complicated concept that it requires some more explanation so that people can get their head around it. And so maybe it's better to wait until after the uh, the next break and Let, then we'll go into the source of all being. Let's hit that in the third segment. Yes, David. Okay. Parker, Don Lester, our guest this evening, Nature of Reality and What Really Makes You Ill. I appreciate you guys coming on the show and talking to us about this. This is something that, for a lot of people I know, is is still interesting. But in um, late night radio, this is kind of like a, a basic 101 thing. People used to talk about the nature of reality a lot more than they do today. So I'm glad that you guys could come on the show and discuss this with us. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, we'll talk to you guys in just a few minutes. All of you listening around the world, this is The Secret Teachings, Don Lester, David Parker. I'm Ryan Gable, your host. A lot more after this, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. The Secret Teachings.info. That's The Secret Teachings.info. Grab a copy of one of my books. Subscribe to our archive. Get a copy of What Really Makes You Ill from Don Lester and David Parker, our guests this evening. And stay tuned. There's more after this. The nature of reality and source. Stay with us. The Secret Teachings is finally available on nearly every podcast platform from Apple and Spreaker to Spotify and Podcast Addict. Also available as TST Weekends, our one-hour Saturday morning show. Search the show name and start listening today for free. And if you want to avoid those annoying ads, visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to our ad-free archive with some of our older shows included. You'll get a private RSS feed and access to the montage archive and my digital books. Subscribe today or listen to the free show archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, grab a physical and digital copy of his books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. Visit thesecretteachings.info. 
So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. This is Michael Strange from Troubled Minds. You are listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info Welcome back to the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you for joining us this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever and wherever you are listening. On the Fringe FM, in the free Secret Teachings archive on the website, or in our private, advertisement-free, and much larger archive on the website, www.thesecretteachings.info. The music tonight, as... Most nights, White Bat Audio, that's White Bat Audio, they allow us to use their music royalty-free. You can check them out on YouTube, White Bat Audio. And if you would like to contact The Secret Teachings, I don't have a team, so the emails go right to me, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Gab. And Gitter, search Ryan Gable, The Secret Teachings, or TST Radio. It should bring up the show page. We're still growing our audiences on Gab and Gitter. Still on Facebook, mostly. No other social media sites, so you can't find us anywhere else if you're looking. Although you can find us on Patreon for behind-the-scenes videos and more. Check it out on Patreon.com and TheSecretTeachings.info. We also have those new Tree of Life t-shirts we don't really make any money off of them, but they do look really cool. And uh, Amanda from the Fringe FM designed this new logo, and I hope you go check them out. I think they're having a uh, St. Patrick's Day sale, so the shirts are like $13 on TeePublic. The link is on our website, or just search The Secret Teachings on TeePublic. That's TeePublic, or again, there's a merchandise link on our website. Don Lester and David Parker are friends from the UK, who wrote one of my favorite books, What Really Makes You Ill. You can visit that website, whatreallymakesyouill.com. But tonight, we're talking not about what makes you ill. We're talking about The Nature of Reality, another book they wrote, The Nature of Reality, thenatureofreality.com. Again, Don Lester and David Parker. We're going to get into the source. What is the source with a big S? Don said, source before break, and that's what I've always referred to 
the creator with a big C or God with a big G. I've always re- uh, referred to that source, that energy as source or the all with a capital A. If you study esoterica and occultism, you're going to find in most esoteric and occult texts, this is how the authors refer to God. They don't say God. They don't say male or female. I mean, masculine and femininity, these are two important things. Masculinity, femininity, the yin and the yang, the great seal of Solomon, merging these two things together, merging these two things together that provide you with a, uh, with a form of balance. And uh, for some people, they believe that the merging of these two things is kind of the purpose of life, merging together the, the water and the fire, the male and the female. Uh, it's alchemy. And we know that a lot of scientists, a lot of physicists, a lot of people throughout history have used alchemy or they have based their studies in alchemy and they have been responsible for developing some of the, uh, some of the, the laws of physics, developing things like television, maybe even radio, uh, scientific equipment, uh, theories of uh, human development, uh, the double helix of DNA. Francis Crick was also on LSD when he developed that. And we're being discouraged from looking into these spiritual realms. Uh, David was saying earlier, and we, we confirmed that, you know, the idea we can start in the physical, we end up in the spiritual. We can start in the spiritual, we end up in the physical. It's part of the same spectrum. And what we consider to be consciousness, what we consider to be perception, these are things that are so, in my opinion, they're so almost in a sense, they've been made like mundane or they've been written off to the realm of religion or just like standard science. But perception and consciousness and, and how we view the world, that this is literally what makes our life as we perceive it good and fun and exciting or depressing and dark. And, uh, you know, we might feel more influenced by evil things if we focus our attention on that kind of thing. And people understand this. Psychologists understand this. Advertisers understand this. And they sell us products and ideas based on altering our perception of the world. So when we can access an understanding of that in the conscious field, we're able to take more control of our life. And I think that's what David and Don were saying tonight. It allows us to become more consciously aware and more in control of the way that we view the world and the way that we interact with the world. Again, Don Lesser, David Parker, David, you were going to tell us about source and uh, you had some things that you wanted to mention about this. Yes, uh, indeed. To help clarify this uh, sort of the mystery of the self. I mean, Don and I refer to this uh, source with a capital S really to um, we refer to it as the self with a capital S, um, and not to be confused with the personal self. It's not the same thing. This is the, the source of all being. And if I just give a little few statements to try and clarify how we have come to understand the self, um, the, the self's not a concept that can be totally understood by intellect because of the limitations of intellect with the five senses. The self perceives, but it cannot be perceived. Uh, The self is a point of knowing all, but to experience all requires the creation of space and time. The self is a state of being that uses consciousness as a tool to explore itself. The self desires to know itself completely, but because of its limitless nature, cannot do so. 
and herein lies the mystery of eternity, the fact there's no beginning and no end, because the self as a limited uh, entity, and even that's a, a, a limiting term, we have no we now have no vocabulary, we have no means of perceiving the self, as I said, but it but the self requires to explore itself, but as I said, because of its limitless nature, it becomes an eternal thing with no beginning and end because it can explore all possibilities or every minute possibility that there could be. Uh, so all experiences are experiences in consciousness, uh, no matter what form they take. And all consciousness is connected and interacts. There are no divisions in consciousness. There's no human consciousness and animal consciousness and tree consciousness. They all exist within consciousness and all consciousness is connected. It often helps, again, using another analogy, uh, to think of an ocean. Um, now, within an ocean of water, there are molecules, um, if, we, if we use that analogy. Now, if we think of each molecule being like a personal consciousness, but are all connected in the, in the ocean of consciousness, so they can at the same time have individuality as a molecule, but also be part of the ocean. The ocean would not be complete without each molecule. And it's, I say that again, like with all analogies, they're not perfect, but it's to try and give an idea of how, because it's a difficult concept for people to understand how they can be individual and part of the ocean of consciousness at the same time. But uh, this is only because of the limitation of the five senses uh, that prevents them from understanding this. And this is why, as I said earlier, people need to get used to the idea of contemplating these ideas so that other areas of their conscious being can come into play and they can have these intuitive insights and expand their understanding of what they are and what power they have. It expands your perception to allow you to do that. Yes. Yes. One one point is, um, you know, being part of the ocean of consciousness is not saying that, um, you know, it's collectivism. It's not that at all. We are all connected. We are all one at the uh, at, at, within consciousness, but we are also individual at the same time. Um, and that's, you know, sometimes that's used, you know, that we are all one is used in the wrong way and to give people the wrong idea but we are individual at the same time and that that's that can be a little bit difficult for people well, to well, kind that, of that individual is the individual expression that's what makes us unique yeah we by no means exactly. by no means should we merge everything into a collective hive that destroys individuality and that destroys i think yeah. the expression of consciousness Yes, yes, definitely. And the whole point of uh, being individual and being different is so that consciousness is exploring all possibilities, all probabilities, all uh, all different ideas. That's why, it, you know, even twins are different. You know, we are all different and it's important that we are individual. But the fact that we're connected within consciousness um, is it's just you know something slightly different the from being you know we're all one 
we're all in this together nonsense you know that that's sort of pushed in the wrong way but yes you're absolutely right we are at each of us is is unique um uh, it's important that we stay true to our unique uniqueness our individuality um but recognizing that we are um connected within consciousness yeah you, and it's this sorry go ahead ryan well david i was just going to say that when we study like esoterica and we talk about occultism on this radio show and we talk about in for example rosicrucian philosophy there's this idea that there are levels of consciousness and they say that there's the elemental consciousness the mineral the plant the human uh, there's the animal of course in there and then you have the demigod and god consciousness and that these are called the seven spheres of consciousness but people see those as individual and we as humans we break them down into individual segments so we break them down into the animal realm and the plant realm and the mineral and the elemental realm but ultimately the esotericists say that it's all part of the same thing. We just break it down into segments so we can better wrap our head around it, like the analogy of the chessboard you gave or the analogy of the ocean with the droplets. So when we, exactly. we, yes. we separate things and uh, understand them. Uh, yes, that's and it exact- also helps us um, communicate with each other using language. You know, that that is limiting. And again, but we use language <laughs> So that we can talk about uh, can talk about it to a certain extent, but yes, you're right. We have to perceive it, sort of understand it from a slightly different uh, level from the language that we're using. But yes, we are. It, it everything is it, it, uh, experiences within consciousness. Consciousness experiences itself as as you know, as trees, as animals, as humans, as you know whatever out in out in the world and and this is an an important concept to realize as i said earlier that there are no divisions in consciousness there aren't separate areas of consciousness you know uh, as i said there's not separate animal consciousness separate tree consciousness everything is a creation in consciousness and it's all connected and this of course gives us better insights i think and respect for all other manifestations of consciousness because they are all part of you (laughs) for want of a better word and uh, as some of the sort of uh, eastern teachings will say you know all is one and they truly mean that so you know if you are have no respect for any any manifestation in consciousness and harm any manifestation in consciousness you are in a way, harming you. It's all part of you. You may not feel the immediate pain of uh, being, if you were wanted to be cruel to an animal, but it has repercussions because it is all part of you and what you do and what how you conduct yourself uh, is, well, has repercussions. Do you think that could be so, a base for karma as well, the idea of karma? Yeah, exactly, yes. Um no, nothing. I know some people think that uh, have said that these uh, <clears throat> dark manipulators uh, of consciousness and the world that somehow, if they tell us, even in a, a mysterious way, tell us what they are about to do or what they're doing, that somehow they avoid any, we'll call it karma, uh, avoid any karmic repercussions. Well, that's just not so. You know, no one escapes. You know, if you do harm, then you're doing harm. And that will be, there will be repercussions from that. So just because 
these people may have put a poster on the side of a bus or something that sort of in a, uh, a secretive way have told you what they're about to do. <clears throat> Uh, lets them off the hook. You know, that's just not so. That's not how it works. Yeah, David, I think um, I think what that I think that's a misunderstanding. I think there's there's two levels to that. One, we really misunderstand and don't uh, don't fully comprehend or perceive a lot of us. It's not like a fault. It's just we're not interested in studying criminal psychology. Criminals, when they do things, often like to be noticed for what they do, especially psychopaths. They want to be seen for what they're doing. Sometimes people want to be caught. It's like a game. So that might be one reason we're told what they're going to do. Another reason might just be because almost like a cosmic legal reason, like, well, we told you what we were going to do. You accepted it. And so we're legally absolved. But I don't think it has anything to do with, um, you know, this idea that they have to, by some cosmic law, tell us that. I think it's just the the idea uh, is a little more complex than that. Yes, I I agree. Um, But I'm, I'm saying this because... I've had it fed back to us by people, and I've heard other people on websites that I would have thought knew better, um, thinking that, as I say, that these uh, dog pr- practitioners um, are get are let off the hook by telling us what they're going to do. But uh, and I'm just wanting to sort of disabuse people of that. You know, they the the laws of the universe, if you like, the laws of consciousness, the laws of creation, are quite exacting, and everything it's the yin and yang. Everything has to balance out. So, the one basic law is do no harm. That's really the only law that there is. Do no harm. And if you deliberately do harm, I know you've said like psychopaths do harm, and they want to be. But yes, but if they've done harm, there will be repercussions for that because you, you, can't, uh, you can't do harm and get away with it, uh, for want of a better word. It's, uh, it's, it's the, uh, the nature of uh, creation. It's the laws of the universe, if people want to say that. It's the laws of, uh, of, of this reality that we live in so that we can learn by our actions and can then modify our actions and because we all have an innate sense of right and wrong and we know that if something we're about to do is not a good thing that it's going to cause harm even in some minor way uh, we know this we don't need any laws mankind laws of mankind or laws of religion or anyone else to tell us right from wrong we we know this and so we can conduct our lives should conduct our lives uh, on that one basic principle of do no harm. Well, can I can I give um, you? A, I want to give you a real world example, and I want to see if this maybe fits to to give people a, another perspective. And that is, okay. um, you know, despite the fact that you know we have a lot of laws that we don't necessarily need to have, let's say. But if you go to like um, you go to a business, for example, a couple of weeks ago, I don't drink alcohol, but I went to a liquor store because I just wanted to see if people there were. Uh, selling Russian vodka because I keep hearing people are pouring out their Russian vodka, even though most of that vodka is from like the U S or it's from Poland or France. Right. So I go into this liquor store and this guy tells me, he said, this is the first time someone's asked me this since I moved to Arizona. He said, you need to put a mask on. And I said, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. And he said, well, this is a private business so we can force you to do it basically. And I said, well, there's public accommodation. I'm not breaking any laws. You can't force me to do that. I'm going to continue shopping. Now, I know I could just go somewhere else. I don't have to shop at that store, and I didn't buy anything anyway. But this has been a thing that's occurred in the last two years. People have said, well, we're private, 
so we can break the law because we're a private business. Is it, it just kind of that that idea comes to my mind that that doesn't absolve you of 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 legal issues just because you're a private business. That doesn't mean you can harass people and discriminate against people and forcibly put things over people's faces because you're a private business. Just because you tell somebody what you're going to do doesn't cosmically absolve you of the crime that you're committing against that individual. Does that make sense? Is exactly. there any relationship? Yes, there? It, yes, it does. But the other thing is, um, yes, if, that shop, if that shop is open to the public, then how can it claim itself to be private? <laughs> We're a privately owned yeah. business. We can break the law. Yeah. Well, more, well, they can, they they no. can't. I mean, there are always consequences. I mean, even if it's uh, even if it's a man-made law, and they think they can get away with it by discriminating against person, that's causing harm. You know, yes, if they discriminate yes. against someone for whatever reason, they're causing harm. And that's the cosmic law, if you like, which trumps any other laws. <laughs> so, yeah, and there's no escape from that. Choose what people think, you know, is do no harm. And that's the only law there is. Well, I, br- so, I bring that up, David and Don, because I, I, a, lot of, a lot of times we get into conversations like this in, in late night radio and it becomes almost mystical and we forget how it applies to everyday life. So I give you that example because give the listeners that example because we need to realize this stuff applies to our everyday life. Whether you're going to buy gas or you're going to, you know, buy a bottle of vodka, this concept applies everywhere you go. This is the essence and the basis of of conscious reality. Yeah, I mean, one of the bearing in mind what I've said about the self and the ocean of consciousness, um, one of the little ideas I'd like people to take away from this and to contemplate is to understand that as the East Eastern philosophies refer to everything as the one and what I want people to understand is that they are the one they are the one manifesting as the many and there's there's quite a concept there that we are each of us is the one manifesting as the many and i think if people contemplate that one they will have a a better understanding i'd also i'd also like to read a quote from one of the eastern mystics who's no longer with us but one of the more modern ones uh, sri nasagadatta maharaj and i'd like to read these words because i think it summarizes very beautifully um all what we've been talking about and something for people to again contemplate its uh, deeper meaning. And he said, you have made this world and you can change it. The world of which you are the only source and ground is fully within your power to change. What is created can always be dissolved and recreated. All will happen as you want it, provided you really want it. You have created the world's sorrows out of your own desires and fears. You deal with them. All is due to your having forgotten your own being, having given reality to the picture on the screen. You love its people and suffer for them and seek to save them. It is just not so. You must begin with yourself. There is no other way. And I I think those... Not only are they beautiful words, but they do sum up the situation and the real power that people have in being able to change their reality. And 
this is the only way as you said there is no other way you must begin with yourself there is no other way and we through that realizing our conscious creative power and this this reality is a conscious creation of which we personally are the creators our personal experiences and we can change it if we want to if we really want to as as the sage says and this is the only way that we we can change the seemingly uh, genocidal tendencies that seem to be happening in certain parts of the world. Now, it may not be happening to the listeners personally, and that's a good thing, because they are creating a reality of which that those types of experiences don't exist. And so they may be only aware of them or seemingly aware of them on the periphery of their understanding and the periphery of their reality and it may be only via the television or radio or the newspapers that they're perceiving that that is happening somewhere but that's a reality it's not their personal reality and this is not a uh, me being uncompassionate it's it's the reality of how this world works and the more you are in charge of it and the more you create and expect experiences of a particular type of peace and harmony, love, uh, on all of the things that you would want in a world, then the more you will experience it. And these seemingly unpleasant things that appear, and I do use the word appear, to be happening in some far and distant place, but not to you personally, then you will hear of them less. They will be less because they will no longer be a part of your reality. And I, may, I know that may all sound a little bizarre, but this is the way of creation. And this is really what uh, Serene Azagadatta Maharaj is trying to tell us. You know, we are the creators of this world and its sorrows, and they're out of our own desires and fears. You know, if we think there can be a war, we think there can be some skirmish, we think there can be whatever, then it's because we accept that it can be that way. And the more we realize that we can not accept that and it doesn't need to be it's not a part of our reality it will fade away it will slowly move to the periphery of our conscious awareness and then completely disappear altogether and we will have the reality that we want this is pretty much the basis i think of what really makes you ill as well because it changes your perception of disease it changes your perception of well, what really makes us ill? Look at the world in the last two years. We've been told millions of people are going to die. We've been told that the world's essentially coming to an end. Businesses have to shut down. We have to wear cloth over our face. But look how quickly the media pivoted from a pandemic to Ukraine. And now people stand with Ukraine, and they're not as worried about a virus. But now they're turning up the virus numbers again and telling people it's because of Ukraine that we're having outbreaks of this virus. Although, as I talked to you guys before the show, the perception is Deltacron and these new variants are rising in Europe, despite the fact that most of the Ukrainian refugees aren't going to the UK or Italy or Germany. They're going to Poland. They're going to places like Moldova. They're going to even Russia. So the perception is Ukrainian refugees going to spread more disease. They're not vaccinated, we're told. But the reality is they're not even going to the countries where they're supposedly seeing a rise in cases. It's all about perception control. And it's all about fear, um, because keeping people in a state of fear stops them from being able to think for themselves, to be able to take responsibility and control. The whole 
system and, and everything that's been going on for the last two years is designed to stop people feeling that they are in control, that they have to listen to external sources. Experts, health and, authorities. And that's really, yes, and, and that's really what we're saying it's, uh, is that it's the opposite way around. You know, they're, they're keeping us or trying to keep us in fear for a reason because it stops us from learning who we are and what we actually can do um, because once we know there's nothing to fear, then we can start taking responsibility for ourselves and then expand that into not just our health, into all other aspects of our lives. Yeah, no, and, uh, us, sorry. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. I just didn't say keeping us in a state of fear is is really stopping us from, from being who we really are and, you know, um, stepping into that, into that sort of understanding. Everything we're ever taught right from the days we go to school right up to now we're we're taught to to limit ourselves we we we're taught to only obey authority whether it's the teacher um or uh when we go to work you know it's the the boss we're taught to uh fear the government to that they have charge over us that the, or the police or the army we're always trying to be kept in fear and believe that our, we have very little power, uh, that we are victims of circumstance, that stuff happens to us uh, by these other powers, which we, we give away our power to these other things by believing they have the power to do these things. And once we take that away and realize that only we have the power, we can then start to understand with all the things that we've just been talking about, how we can create a different reality where those things don't happen. Okay. Certainly. And one, one, one of the most powerful things to me, Don and David, was when I realized probably a decade ago, I realized one day just a thought that crossed my mind. I thought, you know, everybody's so worried about what other people are thinking about them. And I think that's a natural human thing. We're worried about fitting in to our, our, our society. We're worried about people liking us, et cetera. It's, it's human instinct perhaps. But when I realized, well, what, what other people are thinking about me is probably what am I thinking about them? We're all thinking, what are other people thinking about me? So if we realize other people are thinking pretty much the same thing, to me, that's a freeing concept. And I can enter the world and not have to worry anymore, not be afraid. And I can think more critically and I can contribute perhaps to my society more so than if I was afraid of if I do or say something that's unacceptable, how are other people going to feel about that? I don't care how other people feel about that. What's right is right. What's wrong is wrong in a moral sense. And that is just a freeing concept to me that I, I realized a very long time ago, and it freed my perception uh, of the world in, mm. a, in a way that was, um, I don't know if I've ever experienced anything else like that since I've, I've been an adult. We're going to skip this break because there's a lot to talk about. Uh, Don Lester, David Parker, authors of What Really Makes You Ill and The Nature of Reality. The website's whatreallymakesyouill.com and thenatureofreality.com. I wanted to ask you guys something that's kind of a, a silly question. I know we were talking about it before the show, but talk about perception and control of perception. Here in the United States, we have, um, well, I'm sure you guys have a lot in the UK, but we have a lot of media attention on the possibility of nuclear war. I don't think there's going to be a nuclear war, but our government decided because there might be a nuclear war, they would update their guidance on what we should be concerned with in the event of nuclear exchange. And rather than focusing on things that are practical, the government's website literally says ready.gov forward slash nuclear dash explosion. 
that you should maintain social distance when you're in the bunker, literally. And if you don't know the people you're sheltering with, you should wear a mask. You should also know that hand sanitizer doesn't protect against fallout. I would think that there could be other things the government could tell us that don't have anything to do with COVID-19 that might be important to know in the event that you are in the vicinity of the detonation of an atomic bomb. But that is the perception that we are given in the West that this is really, really dangerous. If nuclear bombs go off, make sure that you wear a mask and social distance because COVID could still get you in the bunker. I mean, that is insane. It it is insanity, but it's yet another layer of uh, fear-mongering to keep people in a place where they can't think for themselves, they won't think for themselves, and and that stress level is is incredibly detrimental to health, um, you know, the physical body and as well as the mind, um, and that all works to their nasty agenda. Um, but yes, I mean it, it's it's not if they just concentrated on you know what you need to do if in the case of uh, sort of nuclear fallout or whatever. But no, they have to add the COVID aspect to, to it. To everything. Well, to make it, yes, to, to, to make it really, you know, doubly fear, fear-mongering as opposed to, well, it's it's not COVID anymore, it's now this. No, it's still COVID and it's that, you know, to really ramp yes. up and, the fear-mongering. And they're doing the same thing with climate. I just read an article from The Atlantic a few days ago that said nuclear war would be devastating for climate change and global warming. And I thought, wouldn't nuclear war just be devastating for everything? <laughs> exactly. exactly. But the other thing is, of course, that they're totally ignoring the fact that um, uh, the generally the science is uh, suggesting that we're moving into a cooler period, not yes. the warming anyway. So they've really, you know, they they need to change that because they can't get away with that. But I mean, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, it's almost anything can you know, heat up, heat up the climate, you know, heat up. It's, well, it was, it's really everything nonsense. They've said but about, as you say, it's, it's ramping up the fear mongering. It's piling it all in together. Everything they said about just climate change, you know, and because it was always man-made climate change, but they sort of tend to drop that off a bit. And there's no evidence for that whatsoever. You know, the, the world's climate changes and has done for millions of years. And it's nothing to do with man and it's certainly nothing to do with carbon emissions. You know, that's all just a scam, as I'm sure your listeners know. Well, it's know. like carbon emissions make up such a small percentage of greenhouse gases anyway. The same thing with nuclear war. Exactly. The possibility of nuclear war is slim to none. Is it a possibility? Sure, anything's a possibility. An asteroid could strike the planet tomorrow. But of a, of a thing that's so, so unrealistic, although it is possible, not only are they going to focus on that, but then they're going to tell us that in the event of this thing that we think is probably going to happen, although it's very unlikely to happen, you should also wear a mask and social distance and yeah. you should be concerned about global warming. And it's just the, the, the way that we focus perception on these tiny little things. I don't know, guys. It's like, um, it's like poverty. Poverty has been reduced dramatically in the last 50 years. Illiteracy has been reduced. People are more literate now. People have better access to water. There's more food available to even more people on this planet like life is not so bad but we're being conditioned to believe that the planet and the world is falling apart and that only a few people in major corporations and ngos and places like the un they can save us from this catastrophe that isn't really a catastrophe it's all perception control it's exactly it's exactly that exactly and And the people that the people that 
do this sort of manipulation, they are well aware of it. I mean, I'm sure most of your listeners are, are well aware of the Tavistock Institute in yes. London, yes. although they have tentacles all over the world. And this is their speciality, to know how to manipulate the minds of humans. And so they they advise governments of how to put out the various fear-mongering fear propaganda. It's all a plan. And with all the things we've talked about today, you know, education is one thing um, once people know what's going off. But the main thing is for people to come into their, as I said, into their power as conscious beings and refuse to accept these things, uh, to know that they are they are literally not true and that they don't have to have anything to do with them. And, and this is where the power is. Um, it's realising that they are being told things uh, that aren't true, but uh, unfortunately, most people take them on as their belief system. Well, like and you. That's one of, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, and and it's through your uh, beliefs and ideas and fears that you create your own experiences. So the more fear people uh, are under, you know, the more um, fear-based beliefs that people are living with, they will then experience um, fear-based they will have fear-based experiences so that's why it's important to realize that they are being lied to we're all being lied to about many well most if not all of the important aspects of and our like, lives and like you said about fear what what, yes. what happens when we are exposed to so much um, information that is terrifying and terrorizing and traumatizing is that we shut down our processes of critical thinking that allows us to do the things yes. that both of you are saying to overcome this that's why they, yes. they use fear, because it's a yes, control exactly. mechanism. Yes, yes, they know full well that people are much more easily manipulated when they're in a state of fear. So it's all a deliberate thing. It's very, it is a, a true crime against humanity, and it shows the level of uh, disrespect uh, and uncaring attitudes that these, uh, well, I'll call them monsters, because I don't want to give them any better word than that, Um are prepared to do so all as we have to do is see them for what they are realize what this experience that we're uh, uh, part of is and that we can change it and that we do not have to be afraid of anything i mean our, our book uh hopefully stops people being afraid of germs you know so that <laughs> yes they no longer will they be able to be uh, made afraid that either this germ or that germ and they just keep inventing new ones all the time um, none of which have ever been proved to exist in a proper scientific manner so stop being afraid of them and stop being afraid that we're going to because of what's happening supposedly happening I will say in Ukraine that it could erupt into nuclear a nuclear conflict it's just not going well, to happen I, I have something I want to share with you guys that I thought was really really kind of funny and it was almost like the author of this put their foot in their mouth at the same time. Uh, it's an article from uh, CNBC News from March 1st, and it was the initial report that Ukrainian refugees were going to spread disease in Europe, right? And now we know that most of them are going to Poland and Moldova and Russia. They're not going to the UK, even though they're saying that's why cases of COVID are going up. But this woman named Marie Connolly said that as a result of the refugee crisis, we're going to see coronavirus polio and tuberculosis increase. And I thought, that's interesting, because she goes on to say that it's because of refugees fleeing armed conflict that we end up with overcrowded conditions 
And when we don't have sufficient water, food, and sanitation, these diseases like polio and tuberculosis come and get us. And I thought, I thought polio and tuberculosis, I thought these things were pretty much eradicated, or especially polio, wasn't that eradicated with vaccines mostly? How is poor water access, insufficient water access, dirty water, and poor sanitation going to override the wonderful effects of vaccines and polio is going to come back and get us? Wouldn't it maybe just be because polio was always caused by poor water and food and bad sanitation? Exactly. Exactly. Well, a lot of um, so-called diseases, I mean, that's the sort of subtitle of the book, you know, uh, about why everything we thought you you thought you knew about disease is wrong is because these aren't separate diseases. They are merely uh, the effects of being uh, poisoned, starved and uh, stressed. You know, the, the four factors we talk about. So, you know, they're different symptoms. So polio, which is paralysis, is due to some neurotoxin. TB is um, quite often due to very poor uh, living conditions um, or what's called TB uh, because it's mainly um, pulmonary. um, So it's, uh, you know, when they're breathing in congestion, uh, um, you know, poor, poor air quality. So it happens in places where the where there's air pollution or, um, you know, bad, you know, very damp living conditions or that kind of thing. So um, but yes, I mean, yeah, vaccines are supposed to kind of got rid of these but of course we know they haven't um polio we show, yes, we show that in our book but that's the other scaremongering the fear-mongering thing of saying you know uh, you know all these diseases are going to come back that's probably the point they've chosen yes. though, that yes. people think that they're on the way and if not uh, i mean they've the, the only disease they claim to have eradicated which is not true anyway is, is smallpox i mean they think polio is on its way out but that's only because they've re labeled the um the symptoms that people have that used to be labeled polio are now called a whole range of other um different uh, right well that's with the symptom complexes and symptom pools now and this is all about perception of reality and the nature of reality too i think what happens is we have more classification more symptoms more identification more testing so that makes it look like we have more people that are sick today but we're healthier today than we've been in a very, very long time throughout human history. We live about twice as long in the last hundred plus years. We've doubled our lifespan. We're, we're generally uh, healthier for most of our life. I mean, we have a lot of obesity and diabetes and heart disease, but we're not even focused on that. We're focused on microscopic things that haven't been proven to cause disease when it's lifestyle that is mostly responsible due to our current state of affairs and our immense wealth in, in a lot of the world. That gives us the opportunity to be unhealthy by choice rather than circumstance of environment. And to me, that is that is a really important key point. Uh, Don Lesser, David Parker, we're going to be joined here in uh, about 10 seconds by uh, one of our co-hosts, Jack. He wanted to call in and talk to you guys about the nature of reality. Uh, Jack, you're on the line with Don and David. Hello, my friends. Hello, Jack. Hi. Hi. How are you, Jack? I'm. Uh, all things considered, I'm doing well. Okay, I'm pleased to hear that because I, I know you've uh, not been too well in the past. <laughs> uh, that's right. I I had tuberculosis, but um, oh. just kidding. By the way, <laughs> did you know that approximately 1.5 million people in the U.S. died from tuberculo- tuberculosis in 2020? I think that would qualify as being a pandemic, wouldn't you? <laughs> if, if it yeah. were true, yes, it would. But of course, you can't believe anything that comes out of the officialdom, <laughs> out of their system. 
um, because they right. tell us lies about everything. So it's uh, you have to do your own research, and it uh, gets more difficult by the day with all the censorship that's uh, imposed upon us nowadays. Jack, what did you want to discuss in regards to the nature of reality? And uh, you, you had asked me about this uh, when we were going to talk to Don and David again. Well, um, I'm just kind of jumping in here in midstream, but uh, I always just wanted to do a show so that they could talk about the other book that they wrote, The Nature of Reality, and just talk a little bit about the material that's in there and, and kick, kick some ideas around. Yeah, that's what we've been doing tonight, absolutely. Well, um, and we're hoping that um, that will be uh, received well by the listeners and uh, we'll give them something to think about. You know, it's, uh, uh, it's, not, something, it's not something you can sort of uh, convince people of in sort of uh, an hour and a half or whatever time we've been talking now. But we're hoping that we've at least put some ideas down that uh, people will think about and uh, get a clearer view and that in the same way as our book, What Really Makes You Ill, is designed to take fear away from people, fear of germs, um, our Nature of Reality book is designed again to take fear away and to give people um, more confidence in their true power and that they are not victims, to stop seeing themselves as victims of life, which is not what they are. Um, well, they're only victims of life if they believe they are and if they allow themselves to be but they can change that. And, uh, and that's, really, that's really the message from our Nature of Reality book. Yes, unfortunately, you know, we're indoctrinated uh, with all kinds of ideas that are, that are in fact false. And that's the point to, to expose that they are false. They are just beliefs. And because, you know, you can change beliefs. It's, you know, when something's presented uh, that's actually a fact, you can't necessarily change a fact. But when you know a lot of what you're told are facts are in fact are in truth their beliefs and specially designed to keep you in fear you can actually change those beliefs and and take yourself out of that state of fear and then you can change your experiences as well um certainly you know, that will have that consequence that your experiences will change well everything most people go ahead David. most people sorry most people actually if if they do a little bit of introspection will realize that they're running their lives based on beliefs rather than facts and we do encourage people to actually sit down take a few quiet moments and write down things that they know are actual facts and things that are actually beliefs and uh, if they can be honest about it and diligent about it they'll they'll see that uh, much of what they think are facts they have no proof for them they're just beliefs and uh, of course the <laughs> the medical system is one of them you know you believe vaccinations are good for you, you believe that germs make you ill uh, you believe that doctors are working from a solid science background um, all of these things uh, are actually uh, turn out to be not facts at all and much of life uh, much of what people how they conduct themselves uh, is the same that is the same in in lots of different walks of life where uh, as i say they'll find that they're running their life based on beliefs not Assumption, facts. assumptions we're assuming things yes. are true 
Yes. Yes, exactly. but knowing that they are assumptions, beliefs, and you know they're not actually true, uh, it is actually incredibly empowering, and that's really part of the message of helping people to learn how to empower themselves, yeah. and therefore um, not not be drawn into this uh, th- these this situation that we're being told that you know that these other people have control over our lives when they don't. I feel that this can also be manipulated to the detriment of mankind because the idea that we should focus on, you know, love and focus on happiness, that can be used and weaponized in a way where people so focus their attention on these utopian ideas that they lose track of who they are. Obviously, that requires balance so that that doesn't happen, right? Um, Balance is important and key to all of this, but I think that a lot of these concepts have unfortunately been weaponized. I mean, even the idea that you were talking, David, about the individual droplets in the water in the ocean. And Don, you were talking about connectivity and all things are connected. But these are things now we're being told by corporations and governments and technocrats that in order to be individual, in order to be fully connected, and in order, furthermore, to obtain everlasting life, which is the spirit, the soul, call it whatever, consciousness, we need to connect ourselves with an artificial synthetic system that a few individuals who built it can control. But we're already connected. We're already individual. We already have a form of everlasting life. And I always tell people that everlasting physical life is everlasting spiritual death. Physical life is spiritual death. Well, yes, I suppose this is... The idea that we can live, live forever in machines, you know, yeah. this, this idea. Oh yeah, no! Yes. Well, that—that's—that's that's the mistake that um, well, this, you know, believing is... that you know we can merge with machines and become better. No, that's we are individual and human, and that's not where we're um, what we're trying to say. But as you say, these these ideas are weaponized and used against us and manipulated to make um, to sort of move it in their direction. And that's where people have to. Uh, engage critical thinking and be discerning and, and see the difference, see that there is a difference and maintaining our humanity is, is important. It's not about being utopian. It's understanding who we are and then taking the appropriate action within our physical, uh, well, physical, in inverted commas, uh, state of, you know, our waking state of consciousness. It does require action, so it's not just sitting back and doing nothing. Do you guys yeah, believe that? It's taking the right action. That's particularly important. It's not a, uh, it's, yes, this reality is designed, if you like, it is designed uh, as a reality of action. You know that we do stuff. We don't just uh, sit back on our comfy chair at home and expect everything to be okay without any interaction uh, by without us with it. Um, that's not what it's about. Uh, we we are meant to take action. I'm not talking about violent action, but to take to be proactive, to create. You know, to actually create the world, the reality that we want. Uh, which we will experience and everyone else will experience. When we create things, we build things. I mean, that really does feed the soul. It makes you feel, I mean, for me, when I build something, when I create something, when I, when I write something, I mean, I can feel like this energy. It's like, it's like the most amazing feeling, call it again, God source, whatever. But that energy is there when you create, when you build something, when you do something, you know, play music, whatever, that is the Mm. essence of, of consciousness and what people call God anyway, I think. Yes, or, and or when, when you when, demonstrate love. 
or when you yeah. demonstrate yes. love and you help help another or hug a tree or help an animal since we are all one we in essence are helping ourselves and that's why when you volunteer your time and you do good deeds you do feel better about yourself because in essence yes. you're helping yourself because we are all one it's a circle Ex Exactly. Yes. And as you're saying about hugging a tree, I mean, that's it. We are connected to nature. We're not connected to machines. Um, and by, you know, um, connecting to nature, taking time out, um, people are more likely to be able to contemplate these kinds of ideas when you're running around um uh, keep keeping yourself busy and all these jobs and stress and and everything else that goes on in life then you're not necessarily giving giving yourself the time to contemplate these ideas so it's important to to, to as, as David said you know just to sort of sit quietly and uh, allow intuition and you know sort of switch intellect off or, or just sort of quieten it and and let sort of intuition work and then you get those feelings like you were saying when you create something you get this sense of something else which is connecting to who you are you know you you feeling you're feeling it uh, it's not an, it's not necessarily an intellectual exercise but even if it's something like writing as you say you've you've created something and there's there's a real power within that it's it's very um and very, very empowering. It's it's energizing. Yeah. I mean, even just com yes. completing a radio show, even if it's a show that I felt like I wasn't at the top of my game, I still feel good that I did something. I created something. I got out of bed and I worked. I, I built something like that. To me, that is that's what drives humans forward: creation, and yeah. then looking at that creation. Yeah. Yes. Well, when we do, we know when we've done a good act, <laughs> as it were, no matter how small. But we know, and we, and that's that as you say, that feeling of energy that uh, starts to flow. Just the same as if we do something that we know we've done something not so good, you know, we know it and we have a more negative feeling. That's like a fail-safe mechanism in, in humans, I think. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's why I said earlier in, in the show, you know, we have this innate knowledge of right and wrong, of not not causing harm. And if we're guided by that, um, then it's fine and we know it and we can grow and we can create. And if we create in a, a loving way, um, then we grow by it because that's that's really what we're doing and, uh, and what we're meant to do within this reality, this particular reality. It is a reality of action uh, and it's a reality for us to grow and know what we are in a creative sense and grow into our power and exercise it to create this reality in the way that it should be. Um, David, can you can can you give the websites because we're running out of time. I want to give the websites and then give you each a, a minute to sum up your thoughts. Okay, well, the Nature of Reality website is literally that, the natureofreality.com and uh, the book, The Nature of Reality, it's written under our pen name because it goes back about 15 or more years. So we were writing under our pen name of NOR and you can still get it on Amazon and under that. We've got an audio book version of it, which is only available from our website, thenatureofreality.com. And there's there's things on there. So if people visit the website, they can uh, uh, there's free stuff on there. There's ideas uh, that may help them. And um, did you guys so read for the audiobook? Is it your guys's voice? No, no, we no, we we didn't have the we didn't have access to 
a studio or anything to to do it. So we've uh, we've had to do it another way. It's an English voice, uh, but it's with some uh, software that we <laughs> we actually bought from America, actually, which can read text and produce a voice and. Uh, uh, people can sample it and uh, and hear what it's like. It's uh, we're we're it, it, we're quite happy with it, and uh, it seems to strike uh, okay with people. So um, uh, as I say, I th- certainly on our, I think that you can sample it on the Nature of Reality website, but certainly on the what really makes you will because we've used the same software. So you can go to the audiobook side and uh, see what it sounds like without having to pay any money. And if you like it, then you can also buy. The, buy the book and and those are directly from us so it's uh, not through amazon or anyone else that's the nature of reality.com and what really makes you ill.com we've only got maybe three minutes here jack our co-host jack do you have anything else you want to share with don and david and then i want to give them the floor for about a minute each i just would like to share my love to the two of them and uh keep up the good work and i'm just kind of wondering uh how things are going with the uh what really makes you ill book is it are, are you selling a lot of copies? And uh, yeah, yeah. Well, well, thank you for that, Jack. And uh, you know, thank you for your your best wishes. And we we obviously return those to you. Um, yes, the the book's uh, been doing very well ever since we released it in uh, Christmas 2019. It's it's uh, gained traction and has continued to do so. We get a lot more people um, asking us to do interviews, both on the internet, and we started doing what we call live events, where people have invited us to different towns and cities to uh, go and talk to groups of people. Uh, we're, we're doing a lot more of that, so yeah, it keeps us pretty busy. <laughs> That's good to hear. That's good to hear. All right, Jack, we'll talk to you later, okay? You can hang out on the line if you want to listen to the last uh, few minutes, though. Uh, Don, David, uh, maybe maybe 30 seconds each, or roughly 30 seconds, uh, Final thoughts. Uh, I just wanted to say to um, people to uh, learn how to come out of this state of fear that we're being made to be in uh, because it's not natural. It's not who we are. And that's how we will um, overcome these the, the situation that we're in and we'll turn it around by not living in fear and by recognizing who and what we really are, which is uh far more powerful than we're allowed to believe but many people know that and and it's it's building this understanding that you know we're connected through consciousness and that's how this is this is going to change yeah pretty much uh, what i would say is for 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 everyone to take away is to know know yourself as the ocean of being you are the creator of your reality and uh, and as the seer said earlier there is no other way. Uh, you've got to begin with yourself and know yourself and give yourself due credit and recognize your power and start to create what you want, consciously create what you want. And uh, rather than allowing the powers that are uh, trying to tell you that you're small and insignificant and a victim, uh, you're not victims. You don't need to be victims. And uh, so, as I say, know yourself as the ocean of being and the creator of your personal reality. Don Lester, David Parker, thank you so much for joining us this evening on the broadcast. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings, What Really Makes You Ill.com and The Nature of Reality.com. Don, David, thank you. Thank, thank you. you.
Uh, you guys have a good night, Jack. We'll talk to you soon as well. And we'll talk to all of you out there next week here on The Secret Teachings. Next week we have a lot of great shows planned as usual, including our Heaven's Gate show as the anniversary approaches us. We're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be talking to a few guests next week. We have uh, John Piazzi on the show, comedian. We have a friend of ours, Joseph Lavelle, coming on to talk with us about energy in all of its forms. And uh, we'll have some other shows as well next week, heading into the end of March 2022. Again, I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. If you're listening to the broadcast on one of the many radio podcast players, please leave us a review. Email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. And subscribe to our archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe, when you grab a book, it keeps us on air Monday through Friday. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. And we will talk to you on the next broadcast.